Good morning, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Enjoying all the fall colors? So amazing. I uh, just want to follow up there on what Calvin was saying uh, with water baptism coming up in a couple weeks. Um, just a, a short, brief teaching and just make it accessible to everybody. If you are a follower of Jesus and you have never been water baptized, uh, water baptism is all about going public with your faith. And what I would say, if you kind of you feel like... You know, I said Jesus a really long time ago, and I've never been water baptized, and I kind of feel like it's too late. It's not too late. It's never too late to go public with your faith. And so if you are in that category, you know, uh, our, our parents might have baptized us and done something for us. Thank God uh, for the faithfulness of your parents. But that's something your parents did. When we choose to get water baptized, we are saying for ourselves that we follow Jesus. And we've made it super easy for you um, to sign up for water baptism this morning. It's just right outside these doors, and you can just sign up for that. It's super easy. I, I've done a, a pre-made teaching for you, a video, that, a video that you have to watch just to make sure you're, you understand what water baptism is about. But let me just give you a preview. When we get water baptized, as we show our faith in Jesus, when we go under the water, we're showing that we have died with Christ, that our sins are washed away. And when we come up out of the water, we are illustrating that we are raised to new life in Christ. So this is something that every Christ follower should do. So we would love uh, to join you in that. So again, on your way out this morning, you can sign up uh, right outside the main doors here for water baptism. All right, we are continuing our series today, Jesus, the Disciple Maker. And what we're wanting to focus on as a church this fall is just you know, being the type of community that we are welcoming to people who don't follow Jesus, maybe inviting somebody to come with us, somebody from work or our family or our neighborhood, um, just inviting that person, choosing to walk with that person, maybe asking, answering some questions that they might have about Jesus and faith. But then for the rest of us who have already said yes to Jesus, we want to grow in our faith. We want to grow and move into the image of Christ that this is what the scripture tells us in Romans uh, chapter eight, that we are predestined to do. What is it? To move to the image of Jesus. There's a moment where we all say yes to Jesus, where our destiny is changed forever, that we are gonna be with the Lord forever. And that's a moment in time, but the rest of our lives is not just waiting to die. The rest of our lives is not just waiting for Jesus to return. We are supposed to be on this constant journey of moving to the image of Jesus to have our thinking changed, to have our actions changed, to have our words changed. And this process is called discipleship or sanctification. Just a theological word just means for set apart for the purposes of God. And when we are saved, that is what happens, that we are set apart for the purposes of God. We're no longer living for ourselves, but we are living for Jesus. And this is what God has called us all to do as disciples of Christ. So we're not just supposed to be converts, not just Christians in name only, that Jesus has called us to be disciples. We'll see this here in Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, that, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we are, as a church, supposed to be uh, as individuals and as a church family, being disciples that make other disciples. And this is what we wanna do with our kids and with the students and with adults that are here at our church, that we as disciples of Christ want to invite other people into this relationship. But Jesus continues in verse 20. It says this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, to observe 
the teachings of Jesus. And when we observe the teachings of Jesus, we will be transformed and changed. So all of the things that we're doing this fall as a church family, which there are a bunch of them, and it's so many great opportunities we have. And all of these opportunities are opportunities for us to grow up in our faith. And when we're growing, that means we're changing. We're not staying the same. We're not stagnating in our faith in God. We're knowing God more and more, understanding God more and more, that our faith in God is growing more and more all the time because of all that God is doing. So we want to be disciples. We want to not just have information, not just acquire information, but we want to be transformed to the image of Christ. So we want to define maturity in very specific ways. Uh, we talk, we've been talking about strength and persistence and having joy and having peace and wisdom. All of these things will grow us up in God. And then uh, a true mark of spiritual growth is you're less and less selfish. That you're more and more like Jesus who came to serve and not to be served, that he gave his life a ransom for all of us. So he came to sacrifice himself, give of himself in every way. And that's, again, a very unselfish way to live and this is our calling. So, so far in this series, we've talked about being formed in the context of family. We talked about house rules according to the word of God. We talked about loving each other. We talked about devotion. We talked last week about having God uh, teach us or rebuke us or understanding the good positive side of the word repentance and how we want to integrate that into our lives. So all of those messages are available on our website or through our podcast. And so we're gonna continue on today. Let's read a couple more familiar verses. Isaiah 64 verse eight says this, yet you, O Lord, are a father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hands. So we want God to shape us. Again, there's no such thing as discipleship neutral, that either the world is shaping us or forming us, opinions of the world, all of the things that we take in through all of the screens that we watch, all of the attitudes that are coming through culture, all of that is shaping us, or we are on purpose having the word of God shape us and change us. And this is what our Father God does for us. Psalm 1 verse 1 says this, blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all he does, he prospers. That word prosper just means to be successful. And this is God's desire for all of us in all of the areas of our lives. Now, we're gonna do something a little bit different today or emphasize something a little bit different today as we've been um, focusing on all these different things related to the word of God and discipline. And what I wanna focus on today is when we think about the disciples, and them following Jesus around. They had front row seats to some amazing miracles. Just these experiences in God, just watching Jesus and, and um, doing all of these different things that he healed the sick, that he raised the dead. How many of you know you'd, you'd look at each other after that, right? You know, go and Lazarus is raised up. You kind of look at each other and like, it's just, it keeps getting wilder and wilder following Jesus. 
And we know that Jesus went around and taught, and we have been focusing on that, the word of God, and this is where our strength comes from, and is the word of God. And, and Jesus would go and teach, and the, the Sermon on the Mount that we have in the scripture, it is believed by scholars that this is the thing that Jesus went and taught everywhere. And then he would go and teach, and then there would be tremendous healings that would take place. Just these amazing experiences with God. And when we have an experience with someone, we get to know what they're made of. We get to know what they're all about. We, we get uh, exposure to their heart. And the disciples had these experiences watching Jesus operate and do ministry, perform miracles, raise the dead, walk on water. And all of these things we could see the heart of God and we could see the disciples, they, they had all of these experiences and then they watched Jesus himself see him after he had died and was resurrected and, and the vast majority of the disciples were martyred. In other words, they were killed for their faith. In other words, they wouldn't recant what they said about Jesus. And if they had made up the whole thing right before somebody killed you, it's a good idea to come clean. We were just kidding. None of it really happened. We made it all up. You wouldn't die for something you made up. And so they were too far gone, so to speak. They had seen Jesus do all of these things. They had all of these experiences with Jesus. And one of the accounts of martyrdom that we know that Peter was crucified, but he didn't want to, he wanted to be crucified upside down because he didn't think he was worthy to be crucified like Jesus. They wouldn't recant their faith because they had seen too many things, that they had all of these experiences with God by the Spirit of God. Then we know that Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God. We, we see that at his water baptism that the Holy Spirit came down like a dove, the scriptures said, but it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is a bird. It's just an image of peace. And he was operating this way, anointed by the Spirit of God. And so the disciples had these experiences with God by the Spirit. And the question I would have for us today is, can we have an experience with the Spirit of God? Can we witness something amazing take place? Can, be, can we be aware of the activity of the Spirit of God in our lives and in the lives of others? In the lives of others. I know that when I was young, growing up in church, uh, and maybe none of you ever did this, but you know, you're, you're trying to make sense of all of these things. And then you know, you're, you're, you're uh, hearing things at church, and then so you're, you're trying to prove it out. And the way you're trying to prove it out, if God is real or not, you go to bed at night. You're like, God, if you're real, open my window. <laughs> Did anyone ever do this? Any church kids in the house? We wanted God to prove his existence to us. And if we, we go to the scriptures, you know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they would say things like this, this to Jesus, give us a sign. And Jesus would say, no sign. I'm not doing anything to prove something to you. But then Jesus walked around and did signs all of the time. Healing people, all of these amazing things were happening, but they wanted something sort of on demand for God to prove himself. 
And, and sometimes we, these experiences that we can have with God, I know looking back in, in my own life, I've had some very pronounced experiences with the Spirit of God. Um, one specific that I remember, like I said, you know, growing up in church and working some things out with my faith and all these different things and, and asking God to prove himself. And then and he never did. And then there was a time when I was about 16 years old, just I was up in a camp in north, northern part of Ontario. And just in that moment, I just really just yielded myself to God. And in, in yielding myself to God, I wasn't asking God to prove anything to me in that moment. But yielding myself to God, I truly, and in a tangible way, I actually felt God. Like undeniable feelings like in my body. And then coming home for about three days after this time of, in Northern Ontario, I just sensed God, just the warmth, like the physical warmth of God's presence on my life. And it was so amazing and it was so holy that I actually didn't tell anybody about it. It, wasn't, it was just so unique and it was so specific to me. An undeniable thing. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Just an undeniable moment with God. But then I went for like a really long time after that to having another tremendous experience like that with God. And again, any of these times where I had these experiences, it wasn't something that I was wanting to talk about necessarily with people because it was just, again, it was so holy. It was so precious and it was so real to me in these moments. And when we think about having um, an experience with the Spirit of God, depending on our church background, it can elicit different feelings in us. It can make us really nervous when we talk about having an experience with God. Or if, you know, if, you, if you've come from maybe a liturgical background, a liturgical background is maybe where you attend church services and everything is kind of repeat after me, but you hear a lot about the Spirit of God, and then maybe it just seems like this is really boring, and is this what an experience with God is like? And then maybe if you're from a background where, you know, church is very emotional and people do like anything and everything saying it's the spirit of God. And when I mean everything, I mean like everything. Well, it's just the spirit of God. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that's just you. Maybe that's just your reaction. And these things can produce different types of traditions and we can be scared and nervous. And we can, again, when, when we have an experience with God, we've seen, and if you're a student at all in church history, somebody has an experience with God and you know, uh, somebody would act a certain way because they've sensed the spirit of God. And then so we try to repeat that thing. So we try to do that thing, whether it's crying or somebody's filled with joy or somebody is this or somebody's that. And then so we try to repeat doing those things because we think, well, that's what the spirit of God is doing. And it just becomes all of these external things and nothing necessarily God truly being with us and us being aware in a holy way what God is doing. And now again, I'm not discounting all of those things. Some of them I am completely because they're not scriptural. I'll just give you an example, an extreme example. Somebody saying, I barked by the spirit. No, you didn't. 
How do I, how can you be so bold, Pastor? It's none of that's in the scripture. So nobody's barking by the spirit of God. Can I get an amen? Nobody's like, you know, the Holy Spirit's just leading me to leave my wife. No, no, he's not. Sorry. Eh. That's you. That's not the spirit. And the Holy Spirit gets blamed for a lot of stuff, as I've observed throughout my experiences in church. And I've had experiences in church in the full scale, in the full scope of what I've just described. And again, these things can make us nervous, but we don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater because there has been extremes and because people have done stupid, irreverent, ignorant things in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean there isn't the true. And I believe that we can and we should have an experience with God, an undeniable experience with the Holy Spirit. Maybe today, maybe this afternoon, maybe sometime later this month, maybe next month. And, and you know, and sometimes we overlook these things. You know, Cynthia was describing a moment just from the scripture, just an awareness that her name is known by God. Do you know that's an experience with the spirit? Have you ever had one of those? Where something in the word of God is just quickened to you, made alive to you, and just aware of the voice of God in our lives. And sometimes we discount those things. And sometimes, well, those, that didn't happen in a church service. The majority of the things that we see in Jesus' ministry didn't happen in a church service. And we discount those small things, those precious moments where God is actually ministering to us by his spirit in a very private way. And so our expectation is that we can actually have an experience with the spirit of God and also not be strange. And have it not be strange, have it real and, un and understand what it's for. And there's a bunch of these described in the scripture. And when we think about having an experience with God, it, if we put it in these categories, God is holy. God is pure is what it means to be holy. And when we have an experience with God, this is how he draws us. God is light. And then again, the experiences that I've had with God, some of them are tangible where I actually sense God in my body. And, and what would that be like? Well, it would be like warmth. And why would it be like warmth? Is because God is light and light is warm. Where, any other church kids, um, you know, during uh, salvation call times, God was beating your heart out of your chest. Did anyone ever have one of those in church? And what did you do? You said no, <laughs> right? For sometimes months and a while, and you knew God was drawing you. You were having an experience with God, an undeniable one. And then finally, God is love that we would have these moments where God would manifest himself to us. Just being aware of his goodness. I've had so many experiences like this, again, just during worship. And we, again, we could use these words, and, well, did I feel God or did I sense him or was I aware of him? Does it really matter? We can get technical with those things, but I just know in times of worship, I've just be, uh, be overcome by the love of God. Just as, as lyrics we are singing, 
remind us of how amazing God is. I know my, my wife has one of these almost every week in church. She's way more sensitive than I am, and that's a good thing. Just being aware of what God is doing in our lives, sensing him, feeling him, so to speak, being aware of the activity of God. Now, what I would say, we're not supposed to live by these experiences. We're supposed to live by faith, the scripture tells us. But there are experiences here in the New Testament. Let's read about one right now. Matthew 17, verse one says this. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. How many know this is an experience right here? And behold, there appeared to Moses, appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. If you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And he was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And the voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. See, when we we think about who God is, you know, sometimes we say, God, reveal your full self to me. Really? Really? This is what we would do. If God in all his glory showed up here today or in your bedroom or in your house, you would like fall on your face because he's God. This is an awareness, a sense of who God is. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them saying, rise and have no fear. Then they lifted up their eyes and saw no one but Jesus only. Which is a really good way to end this story. And they were coming down the mountain. Jesus commanded them, tell no one the vision until the son of man is raised from the dead. Jesus, tell no one. I want to talk about this vision every day. And in fact, Jesus, you should do this everywhere we go. This thing and Moses and Elijah show up and you're shining. And it was like, no, it was just for these three disciples. And at the end of the vision, they were laying on the ground and Jesus was only there. This is what the Holy Spirit will do. The Holy Spirit will emphasize Jesus to you not people. This is my, again, my loving contention with people saying the Holy Spirit did this and we just, all we do is think about you and what you did and what you said and how you acted. I'm like, no, I'm thinking about you. I'm not thinking about Jesus. When the Holy Spirit manifests himself to us, what did, what did they say? Hey, we want to build three tents and we want to stay right here. There was a beginning of the vision, the moment, the experience, and then there was an end. It was over. And what do we want to do? If you've ever had one of these experiences, I just want to stay. 
build a tent. I want to stay here in this moment. I don't want to go back to my mundane life where I have to get up and I got to take out the garbage and I got to feed my kids. I just want to sit on the mountain with Jesus. But then the vision is over. Are you here with me today? And this is what the propensity of people is that have experience. We just want to build three tents. And then we want to do the thing that we did to cause the thing to happen. And then if, again, if you've been a student of church history at all, this happens. And then people try to do it again. And then eventually everybody's worn out and everybody's divorced and everybody hates the church. And the revival is over. But here at the end of this vision, they saw Jesus. That the Holy Spirit will draw us to Jesus. And this vision wasn't in a church service. It was on a mountain. John 15, 26. But when the helper comes, talking about the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So what will the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit will emphasize Jesus to us. And again, the moment, the quickening, the experience that we love, that I love to have an experience. I have great memories and I have great moments, present tense with the Spirit of God. But what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is bearing witness of Jesus. And he will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Sorry, where I'm just skip verses here. And I will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Oh, sorry, I got my verses mixed up. Okay, we're gonna go to the next verse. God is still good. <laughs> That's my mistake. It's not the Holy Spirit. <laughs> now, when we think about the Holy Spirit, uh, that word spirit is also translated wind and breath. When Jesus was talking in Nicodemus, he was talking about, you know, the, the wind. We don't know where it comes from, and it comes through, and then it goes somewhere else. And this is what an experience is like with the Holy Spirit. It is like the breath of God. It is like the wind of God in our lives. The exposure to the Holy Spirit changes us. Second Corinthians chapter three, verse 12 says this. I just to make sure I got this one right. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not to gaze at the outcome, which is being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For this day, when the old covenant, that same veil remains unlifted because only through Christ it was taken away. Yes, to this day, when, whenever Moses is read, the veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, this is another way of describing what I've been talking about throughout this whole series, that we are changed into the image of Christ. We're not just changed, 
for change sake, we are moving to the image of Christ. And how is all of this happening? It's happening by the spirit of God, one degree after another. And aren't you thankful that God is discipling us one step at a time? He's not, I need you to be five years down the road tomorrow. He's taking us a step at a time, one degree of glory to the other. And transformed by the spirit of God. Moses had a veil on his face because he had the glory of God on him. But now we are looking at God because we have been made righteous in Christ that we can be exposed to the spirit of God and we are changed changed by the word of God, changed by the spirit of God. Having those moments with the spirit of God, changed, transformed, experiencing him, being in awe of him, being amazed at his goodness. The Holy Spirit, the present presence of God, Last year, I did a whole nine-week teaching that's available on our YouTube page about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the present presence of God. God with us. God who is holy and God who is light and God who is love, that we can experience him in our lives, at church, at home, in our cars, Luke 24, 32, I love this, talking about Jesus' Jesus' disciples had this conversation after Jesus was resurrected. Then they said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? You ever had one of these? This is a moment. This is an experience reading the word of God, that our hearts burned. Now, did they physically burn? Did we really feel it? Did we sense it? Were we aware of it? Yeah, sure. However you want to describe it. Reading the word of God, listening. I know a lot of times in the morning, I, I, I put um, version on and just the recordings and I'm listening to the scripture. And the scripture that I've listened to over and over again and and read over and over again, in those moments, God is just quickening something to me. Have you had a moment like that? That's an experience with God. Now, it's not the Mount of Transfiguration. You might not ever have a vision, an open vision like that. You might. That would be cool. But God will decide that, right? But here, the disciples are saying something, just... He unveiled the scriptures to us, that it just came alive. And this is what God does for us by his spirit. The next thing is the Holy Spirit brings peace and joy to us. John 14, 15 says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. The spirit of truth. 
There's a lot of lies out there. But the spirit of truth, God's spirit, is on the inside of us. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but because you see me, because I live, you will also live. And that day you will know that I am the father and you and me and I and you, whoever has my commandments and keep them, he is like the one who loves me. And he who loves me be loved by my father and that I will love him and manifest myself to him. What does manifest mean? Show up, be there you will know and be aware of the spirit of God. This is what the word of God teaches us, that he's gonna manifest himself to us, that we will experience the spirit of God. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus brings it back to the word of God. These things have I spoken to you while I'm still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Verse 27, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give it to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. That God, by his spirit, will show up with peace. Have you ever had an experience where everything is going crazy and mad and it's wild? but you've got peace. What is that? The spirit of God. He gives us peace. He's manifesting. You are having an experience with God. Shows up with peace. Romans 14, verse 17, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That we will have these things, that we will have peace in our lives and joy in our lives. How is it gonna come? By the Holy Spirit who is present with us. And as we read there, is in us. It's not just with us, he's in us. And he wants to manifest himself to you so that you would sense him, you would feel him, you would be aware that he's holy, he is light, and he is love, and he is good, and he's your father. Finally, this thought, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Again, in my Bible study that I did last year, just understanding temple language in the scripture. This, this is the story of creation and then we see the tabernacle and then we see the physical temple and then here in the new covenant that you and I, believers in Jesus, we are the temple. We are 
the dwelling place of God. And as I've said to you many times, when, you, when we all leave here today and church is done, the Holy Spirit is not stuck in these four walls and not stuck in all of the four walls of the churches in Mississauga and Ontario, that the Holy Spirit actually goes with you, that we can experience him all of the time, that we can be aware of him, that he shows up, manifests himself to us. Romans 8 verse 9 says that you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of God does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although his body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He's in you. Brother and sister, he's not somewhere else. He's not just with your favorite famous preacher. He's like right on the inside of you. He's making his home in you. We need to have faith in that fact. We need to believe that he's right here with us right now and that we can have an experience with God, an undeniable way where the spirit of God just shows up in our lives. Finally, this Acts three nineteen. Peter's preaching, repent therefore and turn back. Now we learned last week, repent's not a bad word, right? Your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, that he may send the Christ appointed for us, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about which God spoke, spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Times of refreshing, plural. Don't we need a multiplicity of these? Because why the world can just wear us out. That the difficulties of life can just wear us down. But the scripture says that there's times, times of refreshing. That we would be refreshed and renewed by the spirit of God that we can know, not just by what the scripture says, but we can know by experience that he is with us. If we're sad, if we're depressed, if we're frustrated, if we're sick, if we're angry, if we're hurt, man, we need to be transformed and refreshed by the Spirit of God. Let's just pray today. God, we thank you in this moment as we see in your word that you are here with us right now. That we just open ourselves up to you, Lord, the work that you want to do in us. That you want to take us from one degree of glory to the next. That you want to take us from one degree of your goodness to the next. That you want to move us to the image of Christ.
God, we are in awe of the fact that we are your temples today. That you are filling us up again afresh and anew by your spirit. God, we love you so much. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, we thank you today that we can experience all of who you are. God, you know what we have need of today. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the work that you are doing in lives and in individuals and in bodies relationships. Thank you, God, that you give us the wisdom we need. God, we thank you that we have your peace, that we have your joy. God, we're just taking a moment in your presence to focus our hearts on you, to give our devotion to you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you, Father, for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit today? Now, there, there's just a, a few moments there at the end of the message that we're just being aware, or we should have been aware about God just being in us. And again, my, my encouragement to you this whole series this fall, and, and especially after something like, like we've discussed today is like, Again, these moments are not relegated to church services. That we, as we spend time reading the word of God, we should be like, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are quickening to us your thoughts. And as we're spending time in prayer, we're just on purpose for a few moments. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. In your time of prayer, don't talk the whole time. It's good to pray, it's good to talk, but just sit there. God, I'm in, on purpose, I'm just sitting in your presence right now. Amen. Hey, if you are here this morning 
and you don't have a relationship with God, God by his spirit is drawing you today to start that relationship, to say yes to him, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. The the scripture talks about that the the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and righteousness, that we, we become aware that we don't have a relationship with God, but God offers us a relationship with himself. And all we have to do is say yes. So I'm gonna pray a prayer in a second. If you have never said yes to Jesus, I invite you to pray along with me. It's just a starting point in your relationship with God. Or if you haven't already made yourself right with God this morning, maybe you kind of feel distant from God. You know, God is not mad at you today. God is drawing you by his spirit. God loves you. So church, let's all bow our heads and close our eyes and pray this out loud, praying it with somebody who might be praying it for the first time. God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he lived a sinless life. He died on the cross and you raised him from the dead so I could know you. I say yes to you today. Jesus, I call you my Lord. God, I call you my Father. God, I have purpose to follow after your ways and I turn from my own. I thank you for salvation today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God is good, amen. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? Amen. church. We've got a couple announcements for you here today. If you happen to accept Jesus as your Lord today, you were moved and you prayed that prayer with Pastor Brent and the rest of the church, uh, we invite you to come and meet us at the info desk. We have a gift for you today. We'd love to have a conversation. And if you are interested in being baptized, some of you have already been sending in your requests. We are doing that on November 6th, so two Sundays from now, there's a booth out in the lobby just as soon as you walk through those doors where you can sign up today. We'd love to have you do that as well. And I I have one more announcement this morning. It is Pastor Appreciation Month. Now, he doesn't know that we're doing this. That's why he ran to the back of the room. But today we wanted to honor uh, Pastor Brent and Pastor Nicole. And so we're going to invite them to the stage. And can we give them some honor today and thank God for what's going on in their life? to the Ephesian church encourages them and he reminds them that the same spirit that Pastor Brent has so lovingly, like lovingly cared for us and educated us on today, that he gives gifts to people, right? And gives the church gifts as well. And we're so grateful that he has given you us as our pastors. We're so thankful for you in all of your leadership and all that you do. And PB, I know you hate this right now, 
but I don't care because you know, our pastor is so great at loving all of us, and he's so great at loving all other pastors and preachers in this nation. And we love you, and we know that they love you, but we love, 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 love you and Nicole. And we're so grateful for you today. So thank you so much for being our leaders. Yeah. Thank you, church. Thank you, church. Um, at this time, uh, we're going to invite our, our leadership team forward. If there's any of you who have a need in this room that you would like prayer for today, we'd love to spend some time with you before you head home. And so if you need have a need, the prayer team will be up here. They'll pray with you. Again, go see PB. Give him a high five. Also in the lobby, there's an, a space just to the right where you can write a note of something that you're thankful for. And we're putting them up on a, a little display out there. We'll, we'll deliver those words to Pastor Brent and Nicole later. Thank you so much, church. You are dismissed. We love you. Have an amazing week. We'll see you in the lobby.